Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, the sports director for SportsTalkFlorida.com. And with me, the Sunshine Boys themselves, none other than Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. And boys, you know, there's a game going to be played at high noon. It's going to be on ABC this week from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida, where the University of South Florida Bulls will state their case against a Florida State team that just pretty much got shredded last week. So let's start with South Florida and FSU boys and uh, talking a little bit about what you expect come high noon on Saturday. Hey, Joe, you Hi. know, uh, high noon, uh, Joe, high noon didn't treat the uh, Seminoles very uh, nicely uh, last week. Uh, and, and with all due respect to uh, the Bulls quarterback, he's not Lamar Jackson. Uh, who's probably the Heisman uh, Trophy uh, favorite this early in the year. Uh, Joe, I noticed the Knolls are still uh, five, six-point favorites on the road uh, against your Bulls. Um, FSU has a habit of coming back strong after losses, albeit this may not be one of uh, Jimbo's greatest teams. Uh, but I got a feeling Dalvin Cook's going to make his presence felt, Joe. Um uh, I, I think I think the Knolls are going to find a way to win this game. Well, that seems to be the consensus, and nobody's denying it would be an upset if South Florida wins the football game. But uh, it's not going to be easy. Everybody just assumes, oh well, Florida Florida State's going to come into to Tampa and they're going to be mad and they're going to blow away this team, and that's. I mean, I'm not going to say it can't happen. Uh, any, as we saw last week uh, at Louisville, anything can happen. But South Florida has the speed to stay with Florida State, and a lot of a lot of teams don't. South Florida's receiving core will get open. They will make big plays, and as we saw last week, uh, Florida State uh, is capable of giving up big plays. Um, you are correct about uh, USF's quarterback not quite being in the Heisman class. But on the other hand, he's pretty doggone good. Quentin Flowers is who we're talking about. And he is a a, a dual threat, uh, to say the least. He's at least as dangerous as a runner as he is a passer. And, you know, he's he's going to make some mistakes, but he's also going to hit you with the big play. So... Jimbo Fisher knows uh, what's ahead for his team this week. USF, this is this is their their statement game. This is the one that'll get everybody's attention, and they know that. So, uh, I would say that this that USF will be uh, more than ready to play a football game, and Florida State will be ready. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. Joe, so- Jim, that. 
Go ahead. And that stadium is going to be packed. Jim, it's going to be packed, that stadium, mm-hmm. uh, with the Bucks playing their home opener the, the very next day. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a question from Mr. Henderson. Uh, Jim, yeah, he knows better than anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe, how big an FSU presence will there be uh, in the stands uh, at high noon on Saturday? Oh, I would imagine there will be a significant Florida State presence. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of alumni in, in, this, in this area uh, throughout Central Florida. And a lot of those folks are probably saying, you know what, uh, this is a lot better than driving four or five hours up to Tallahassee. Drive out to Ray J, see, uh, see the Knowles, and uh, have a good time. But uh, USF will be well rep- represented, too. It's a big stadium, um, and uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a great atmosphere. This is just, like, really, really cool. I'm glad they're playing it early. Uh, I'm one of those guys that thinks uh, college football ought to be played in the sunshine, and we're going to have that. We're going to have two – very good teams. Florida State is not – they're not as bad as we saw last week. Maybe Louisville is that good. We don't know yet. But uh, USF has, has got their program going in the right direction. They want to make a statement. So maybe the, the Big 12 will look at them for possible expansion. And so this is one of the biggest games in USF's history, and I expect the, the Bulls to play accordingly. You know, Duran James is not going to be playing for FSU, and that could be helpful for Clinton Flowers and the, the offense. But, guys, do you think, as we talk here on the Sunshine Boys podcast, Jim Williams, Joe Henderson, Ira Kaufman on sportstalkflorida.com and blogtalkradio.com, are you guys looking at this as a run-and-gun high-scoring affair, or would it be wise – for Taggart and the bunch to play a little bit more of a, a ball control situation. Well, South Florida's strength is running the football, uh, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that it's going to be ball control. You've, you've got uh, Marlon Mack, their, their all-conference running back, USF's back, is averaging almost 10 yards a carry so far this season. It's 9.6 yards. And – Quentin Flowers, uh, he's, uh, he can turn a busted play into a 30-yard gain with his legs. So the, the ground attack will be a lot uh, of USF's game plan. But you ask if it's going to be a high-scoring game, I think there's going to be scorch marks on the field. Uh, the, the grounds crew is going to have to work overtime to get the stadium ready for the Bucks the next day. Because those two teams, this is going to be a track meet. and uh, I, I kind of feel sorry for the scoreboard operator trying to keep up with all of it because, uh, you know, he's he's going to be very busy uh, as these teams go up and down the field. Well, you know, DeAndre Francois didn't look all that sharp against Louisville. No, he didn't. Oh, he, he, he he didn't, uh, Jim, but, but he, he's got great receivers. They were about seven deep at receiver as they showed against Ole Miss in the opener. Um, now, Jim, you make a good point. Uh, the Knowles are going to be missing one of the best safeties in the country. Um, Jalen Ramsey is gone, uh, maybe the premier corner uh, in the country a year ago. Uh, that's quite a dent uh, in, in a secondary, and, and Joe's right. Um, you know, Flowers is never going to complete, uh, you know, 72% of his passes, but he throws a nice deep ball, Joe. 
and he's got the the, the guys with the speed to to, to run it down. Um, I think this is a major challenge uh, for FSU's secondary that was scorched uh, in the first half of the Ole Miss game and didn't play particularly well last week. Uh, I think Joe's right. I, I think that uh, there is an enhanced, uh, Jim, there's an enhanced mm-hmm. scoreboard at Ray J. Um, I'm not sure they're unveiling the whole thing until Sunday. You might want to keep, mm-hmm. keep some of the, uh, some of the, you know, the, uh, the bells and whistles for the buck opener, but uh, they poured a hundred million dollars into that stadium in the off season. And uh, I think these two teams are going to give that scoreboard a workout, Jim. Yeah, they got three uh, spaces up there for um, a triple score. Or... <laughs> yeah, they might need it. Uh, Ira, you talked about uh, FSU's receivers, and, and South Florida's got a, a guy named Rodney Adams that you need to keep your eye on this guy. He's going to make plays. And at some point, um, he's going to run the ball. They love the, They love to get the ball in his hands any way they can. They do the reverses. They do – They'll do anything, and what what South Florida will do is if they get behind, which they mm-hmm. could, they're not gonna they're not gonna freak out because as as we saw last week, it looked like they were just gonna be buried up at Syracuse. Syracuse, mm-hmm. you know, the USF's first road game, and that's always a challenge. They go up there. Syracuse's homecoming. Syracuse jumps up 17 to nothing in the first quarter. And I'm watching the game here, and I'm going, oh, my, what in the world are they doing? And USF scored the next 42 points. So they're not going to panic. They know that they've got the firepower to get back in the game. And maybe the biggest point of all is that they're, they're not going to be in awe of Florida State. A lot of them played against uh, each other in high school. They've seen each other. USF went up there last year. Uh, admittedly, they weren't as good as they are now. But they uh, they went toe-to-toe with FSU for a half until Dalvin Cook went insane in the second half and, and the Seminoles pulled away. But Jimbo Fisher has, has made the point that he knows just how good South Florida is because he tried to recruit a lot of their players. And... Willie Taggart's building a real nice program here, and it's it's going to get better. And that, for them, is why this game Saturday is such a big deal. Um, the eyes of the nation would have been more focused on the game if, if Florida State hadn't gotten beaten last week. Um, I would imagine on, uh, if USF wins, for a lot of people, the bigger story would be Florida State losing two in a row. But – Make no mistake, this is, USF's had this game circled for a long time, and uh, it's going to be fun. It'll be good to watch. That's for for darn sure. Hey, Go Jim, ahead, listening Jim. To, uh, Jim, listening to Henderson describe uh, Rodney Adams uh, as a dual threat with, with the mm-hmm. ball in his hands, uh, Buck GM uh, Jason Light uh, needs to be at that game tomorrow. Uh, the Bucks are home. No reason uh, not to scout that game heavily. Uh, and uh, as Joe will uh, support me in this, uh, beyond Mike Evans, the Bucks uh, the Bucks need another receiver uh, because Vincent Jackson, uh, his days are behind him, Jim. And uh, I think receiver might be the top priority for the Bucks uh, heading into next year's draft. So, Ira, you think uh, after the game, if he's not too tired, then he can suit up on Saturday, on Sunday and uh, be there in time for the opener? Is that what you're you trying know, to say? Uh, <laughs> 
they might need a little help because the Rams have a heck of a defense. But, Jim, that's a subject we'll get into a little bit later. Right. Yeah, we got a little time for that one. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. As a USF grad, as I like to say, the Harvard of Hillsborough County, uh, I'm looking forward to the game on uh, on on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I'm happy that Coach Bowden isn't coaching anymore because it'd be tough for me to root against him. But it's not tough for me to root against Jimbo, even though he's also a nice guy. So we'll see. And it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, I think part of this is going to be down to um, how well uh, the Bulls defense can contain, um, you know, Devin Cook from uh, FSU. Uh, yeah, I mean, he really put a hurting on them last year. But there, there, there's there's starting to be a few questions about him this year. He has not mm-hmm. been uh, as dominant as he was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe the expectations are too high. Maybe there's an injury situation there. Uh, I don't know. But you have to expect that that he's going to come out with his A game. And, you know, stopping Florida State starts with stopping Cook. And if you can stop him and put the game in the young quarterback's hands, you got a pretty good chance to win. Right. I think – it's going to be close. I think South Florida wins 31-27, and I think that um, that the the Bulls will score one touchdown on either a punt or a kickoff return because I don't think anything uh, will impress me about Florida State's um, special team. So I think they'll win, well, and, and they'll win, and they'll still get, and they'll get one score off of a probably a punt return. Awesome. Well, they got one last week at Syracuse just mm-hmm. that way. Uh, so that's that's a good call. All right, let's go up uh, I-75, although a long way up I-75, to, uh, to Knoxville. And uh, we got the Gators against the Tennessee Volunteers and here on the Sunshine Boys podcast. Um, last week, we talked in great length about how we couldn't figure out how Tennessee had been ranked ahead of the University of Florida. Now at Nayland Stadium, um, that ought to be fun to watch this game. Again, a national televised game on CBS come uh, right after the South Florida game against um, FSU. So it's kind of a nice little doubleheader there. Yeah, and uh, the the big question in my mind going, well, there's a, a lot of questions going into this game. Uh, for the Gators, it's going to be uh, how can uh, Austin Appleby, the transfer quarterback from Purdue, uh, step in and play now that uh, Del Rio is is out for the for this game. And but the bigger question to me is what is up with Tennessee? This was supposed to be a powerhouse football team this year, and they they started off. Very highly ranked. Got lucky the first week to beat uh, an Appalachian State team that kind of got exposed last week by Miami. And then they, all right, they have a nice game against Virginia Tech. Then they go home and struggle against Ohio University from the MAC. So now come the Mighty Gators, and uh, Florida's beating them, beating Tennessee 11 straight times. And uh, last year, you would have figured if there was ever a year Tennessee was going to win, it wasn't. It, it was going to be last year. Florida somehow manages to pull out a 28-27 win. And um, 
Tennessee fans have got to be wondering, are we ever going to beat these guys? And I would submit to you that I don't think it's going to happen Saturday. I think Florida wins the football game. You know, it's funny that Austin Appleby, when he went to Purdue, was heavily recruited by Butch Jones when Butch was at Cincinnati. And uh, so I think he knows a little bit about the guy. And from what I understand, he's got a, a very good arm and, uh, and and he's mobile enough. And I think that uh, something Ira brought up last week, and I think it's worth noting, uh, is the University of Florida Gators now, they're defensively, they're number one in the country and uh, against both the run and the pass. So they are overall phenomenal defense. This might be one of those games where they'll just say, you know, tell Appleby, don't get us in trouble and let us, you know, let us win this game on defense. You know, uh, Jim, the, the Vols are favored at home, and I understand, mm-hmm. uh, especially considering uh, what the Gators are going with under under center and, and inexperience. Uh, but, Joe, I will suggest to you that the best unit on this field and it's not even going to be close, uh, is the Gator defense. And Florida has won games under McIlwain uh, when the offense has sputtered. They have won games. Uh, they played LSU very tough on the road. Uh, and uh, and they've, they've won games when, you know, they haven't scored more than 17 points. The, the defense could score uh, Saturday in, in this game, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, Tennessee hasn't impressed anybody through three weeks. Um, I know I sound a little bit like a homer because I already picked FSU. Uh, I'm, I'm going with the Gators. They've got a hex uh, on Tennessee. Uh, I think it continues, and I think, um, as, as Jim suggested, uh, the message to Appleby is uh, don't lose this game for us. Uh, it's the old buck uh, axiom, guys. Give us 17 points. Uh, we'll take our chances. I think that's what's going to happen. Gators win this game. Well, we've been talking about the Gator defense, right? Number mm-hmm. one in, in all these categories. Uh, let's hold off before we anoint them as uh, the new steel curtain just yet. Because, uh, yes, they've got some talent. Yes, they play very well. But the first three opponents are UMass, Kentucky, and North Texas. Now, I want to see them play a varsity team in there somewhere. And I and they'll get that this week. Uh, Tennessee will be ready to play there. You know, it's a statement game for Tennessee. Question becomes, what kind of statement are they going to make? And uh, I don't know. I don't know that I completely agree that that they will tell Appleby just don't lose the game for us. Let's let's not forget that Tennessee is going to be without uh, Cameron Sutton, who's their their very good cornerback. He's out. He's got a broken ankle. He's not going to play. Uh, and that could open up some opportunities uh, in the air. Well, they certainly, I mean, look, the Gators have plenty of, of weapons at wide receiver. That's probably the best position they have on the uh, on the offense. Um, running game's not bad. But I, I think it'll be, I think this one's going to be a little closer. I think this is going to be something, uh, winner in the 20s on this one, I think, uh, is going to be. Because I, I do think defensively Florida will be able to, um, to step up and play. And, and you know what, guys, since you guys also watch a lot of pro football, I was really interested in getting your take on, um, you know, what's going on 
on that Gator defense with Brian Cox Jr. What you thought? Uh, where would he play in the in the NFL, guys? Where, where, what position would he play? And it looks like a hybrid, Jim. Uh, uh-huh. He looks like one of those guys that uh, you're not sure where he projects on your depth chart, mm-hmm. but you want him on the field. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus, he's a playmaker, uh, as was his father. Uh, right. You know, um, and, 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 and sometimes uh, Brian Cox was listed at, at, at a defensive end. Sometimes mm-hmm. he was listed at, at linebacker. Right. Uh, you, you never knew quite where he was coming from, but he, uh, but he was sure around the ball a, a lot. And uh, looks a little bit like, like father, like son there. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that, and I would even take it a step further and say, um, hearkening back uh, into the wayback machine a little bit, uh, kind of a Charles Haley type, maybe. Nice. Uh, Very nice. nice. If you remember uh, the great Forty Niners hybrid player, he, you never knew where he was going to be, linebacker and whatever. Uh, all I know is that uh, they actually uh, should have listed Haley as a as a quarterback because he always seemed to be uh, back there with the quarterback. You know, he he also you know plays a heck of a fullback, so I don't know if that that'll yeah, factor there you into go. it. There you uh, go in, into his future. One more uh, college um, game to look at statewide. Uh, the Hurricanes are off this week. Is that um, UCF is going to play FIU, and uh, UCF hasn't won yet, but they've shown signs of life and now they have a quarterback controversy in Justin Holzman and Mackenzie Milton. And uh, well, uh, UCF has won a game. Let's let's, let's Oh, I'm sorry. That. Did they, I They won the opening week. I apologize to go. all the Knights out there. I'm just and used to not winning. They ended that streak, right, Jeff? They ended that That's streak. right. That's right. That's right. But, uh, yeah, um I they have to feel at least fairly good uh, about how they played uh, against Maryland last week, lost in, at home in double overtime. Um, but that, that's certainly, uh, I would call it a step forward for a team that uh, didn't win a game last year and is one and two so far this year. UCF should win this game, I would suspect, fairly handily. FIU's not very good. Um, 0 and 3. Um, and um, if you want to play the the score comparison game, uh, they both played uh, Maryland, and as I mentioned, UCF lost in double overtime, and Maryland blew out FIU uh, by like 25 points or something like that. So uh, I think uh, the Knights do get back into the win column this week. I think they're going to probably start Milton. He's a true 18-year-old freshman from Hawaii. And uh, they like his athleticism. So uh, we'll see if the the Black Knights can come through and win this game, uh, which, as both Iron said, and Joe said, they should. I agree. They should do that. Guys, um, go ahead, Iron. Go ahead, Jim. No, no, they're, they're looking for the next Blake Bortles, uh, Jim, to build around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Joe's right. They're, they're going to even their record at 2-2 two and two after this weekend. Uh, and I've got a little faith in Scott Frost, Jim, to, uh, mm-hmm. to get that program going. We wish him well. So, all right. Tell you what, boys. Uh, let's step aside, pay a few bills here on the Sunshine Boys podcast on SportsTalkFlorida.com.
welcome back to the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, sports director of SportsTalkFlorida.com. And uh, with me, of course, the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. And boys, we talked about the college games before. Now, this time around, it's the NFL Week 3. And that should be some interesting matchups, starting with the Texans and the Patriots playing uh, later this evening. I, I think that's the fa- this is a fascinating game, Jim. And as usual, Joe, those Vegas odds makers, they never miss a trick. Um, the Patriots are underdogs at Gillette Stadium. Uh, gentlemen, they have lost five home games in seven years. Five. Uh, but this doesn't look like a good matchup. Um, and I'm not sure it was a great matchup with Garoppolo below under center as, as well as he's played. Uh, now, now you got Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Joe, you watch the AFC uh, intently. Um, the Texans have a very, very stout defense. They do. J.J. Uh, Watt, arguably, in my opinion, the most disruptive defensive player since Lawrence Taylor. He's that good. I know he had back surgery, this and that, but he, he played like a monster last week uh, against the Chiefs. Um, and here's one more I'll throw in, guys. Jadavian Clowney, the name we've always mentioned for the last two years uh, with the word bust, is now playing well and healthy. Um, so the Texans are on the road. They are favored going to New England. Uh, hey, the Pats have already proven themselves. I mean, they got Buffalo at home next week. They're probably, even if they lose this game, they'll be 3-1 and one when Brady comes back. No catastrophe. Um, the Texans, Joe, do just enough on offense with Osweiler and a decent ground game. And DeAndre Hopkins, who's one of the best-kept secrets in the NFL as a receiver. Um, it, it, it's astonishing in one sense that the Pats are underdogs at home. But, Joe, the more you look at this game, I think we realize why. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you would call it astonishing, but uh, we don't know anything about uh, Brissett. I mean, he's uh, Bill Belichick probably doesn't know that much about him. <laughs> and uh, as as you're as you're correctly pointed out, um, you know, not only do you do you have to worry about the, the best defensive lineman in the game and what. Now you've got uh, a healthy, disruptive Jadavion Clowney. And uh, the, the Texans are only going to get better and better, I think. Uh, I, I kind of scratched my head a little bit when they uh, spent all the money in the offseason on Osweiler. But he seems to be doing the job for them. Um, uh, right now that consists of not losing the game. And uh, so, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We looked at the Patriots, I did anyway, going to Arizona in week one with Jimmy Garoppolo. Forget it. They got no shot. Well, they win. (laughs) And just when you think uh, that they're not going to be able to do anything against a pretty tough Miami defense. Remember, Miami went out to Seattle opening week and played Mm -hmm. well. Garoppolo comes half. in. They absolutely Garoppolo looked like YA Tittle out there in the first half till he got hurt. So, you know, 
they will be ready to play. Now it's a short week. That that's a, a disadvantage to the Patriots. Um, even though uh, Houston has to travel, uh, I think uh, I can see why they are favored in this game. But are you ever going to count out the New England Patriots ever? It would be unwise. It would be very unwise. It would. Jim, the man, a, Jimmy, the, Jim, the man with the hoodie is not hurt. He's not on IR. He's still out there, and, and, and he's usually the equalizer. I don't know. You know, he's um, reminds me of that character in Damn Yankees. You know, just it's a, forget about it. You're just not going to beat him. Um, what the, does he ever get rattled? It's almost like the football gods are up there going, "All right, all right, you cleared that hurdle. How about this one, big big fella?" And so now he's on his he's on his third quarterback, some Guys, guy that. Yeah. I, I don't know. This is how I judge Belichick. May not be fair, may be fair. I don't know. Not even Parcells rattled him. So, so no. what's going to – I mean, he basically told Bill, hey, you know what? I'm not staying at the Jets. I'm going up to New England. Thanks very much for, you know, for the opportunity, but not so much. And uh, so, no, I don't – look, yeah, the one thing about Belichick is he fears nothing. And that's probably the scariest part of any coach uh, who's successful. In fact, Jim, that Jim one, more, no. one more point about uh, one more point about Belichick, uh, uh, more subtle, I think. Joe, I think you'll back me up. Is uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about how to use your timeouts and clock management at the end of a half and and, and a game, and you know, Belichick never seems to get involved in any controversies uh, in in that scenario. He, he He's a master. Um, you know, he'll call timeout when when uh, he's ahead and, and you're on uh, the New England uh, 11-yard line. Um, a lot of coaches won't call timeouts uh, when they're on defense and they're ahead. Uh, he sizes up the situation and says, you know, hey, I got to give Brady some time uh, if they score here. And uh, a lot of coaches won't do that. They think it sends the wrong message to their defense that we don't have any faith in you. Um, When's the last time Belichick was second-guessed, uh, you know, with, with clock management? I mean, every part of the game, Jim, uh, of course, with his pedigree and his father and the Navy background, he, he's seen it all, Jim. He's mm-hmm. absolutely seen it all. Um, there's no reason to think New England won't be standing, um, you know, when the playoffs start. And, and possibly, I believe they're the AFC favorites, Joe, to get to Houston. For the Super Bowl. Well, and, and they should be. Uh, it's how do you how do you look at that team, especially when Tom Brady comes back, and of course, assuming he stays healthy. Uh, and how do you look at that? And Gronkowski. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've they've done this without the best tight end in the game. Oh, yeah. That's that. Right. That's right. Um, that. it, it. I mean, am I out on a limb, Ira, and Jim, by saying that? Uh, this guy's the best coach of all time. I'm going to go with the mod. I'm going to go with the modern era, Jim. You go back a long way yeah. too. I, I, you know, I don't think I can put him over Lombardi or whatever, but uh, he, he's the best of his time, Jim. The best of his time. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that there, there were other coaches, you know, who were in different situations. Who were, it's always tough to say best of all time but joe i'm without question he's certainly the best of the era and and has to absolutely be in the conversation 
of any conversation for the yeah, greatest coach of all yeah, time. Well, Ira, Ira, you uh, you vote for the Hall of Fame. You're in the room when this happens. Uh, yep. Is the it, when when Belichick's time comes, if he ever does retire, um, is will the presentation consist of a the presenter standing up and going, "Gentlemen, Bill Belichick," and sitting back down? Is that about all you have to say at that point? So if we if we have a reasonable presenter uh, who feels that he can save us uh, 20 minutes of discussion, unnecessary <laughs> discussion, uh, and Jim, this is how it has happened in the room. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Montana sat down. Uh, it happened last year. Ladies and gentlemen, Brett Favre. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that with John Lynch, gentlemen, uh, next February. <laughs> Uh, but Joe makes the right point. I mean, forget about the Flake Gate, forget about Spy Gate. Uh, Belichick's, a, you know, Belichick didn't need Spy Gate to, to to get into that room. Um, he's a first ballot. He's a no-brainer, um, and that's just and he's proven it again in 2016. And and not to pile on uh, uh, another franchise in a tough situation, but. How Cleveland Brown is it that they had this guy? <laughs> he was their coach, and uh, now we can do better. Um, because, you know, I had – I'm sorry, Browns fans. I couldn't resist. Well, if Did you remember, the, no, his, defensive, his defensive coordinator was was Nick Saban. Yeah. Yo, Bring he coach the with the Browns one year? I think he did, yeah. I believe, right. I believe he did. I believe he did. Who is it? I think he made the playoffs one year with the Browns. With the Browns. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that and, that was that was the year that they moved from uh Cleveland to Baltimore. That's when he got uh, that's when he got fired, uh mm-hmm. when they moved. They yeah. uh remember they said uh, Modell announced the move and Right, in the we'll middle be, of the season. And we'll be moving uh, to to Baltimore, uh, Bill, you don't need to look for houses. It's it's okay. <laughs> You'll be staying here. So I mean, you know, everybody, every you know, the Bucks fired Tony Dungy. I mean, you know, stuff happens, but it it is particularly egregious considering uh, where the Browns are and who Bill and who Bill Belichick is. It's well, you know, just... it's funny. Funny you bring up the Browns because this week when they play in Miami. My sources tell me they're making a decision as to whether to start Brian Seip or Bernie Kosar because they're go. down that far in their depth chart. Uh, I think they should bring Frank Ryan out of retirement. I'm just saying. <laughs> why not? Uh, bring them all. Why not? Use them all. You know, speaking, uh, Jim, speaking of the uh-huh. Dolphins, uh, and, and I don't know, I don't know if they're going to take any momentum out of the second half of the New England game. If I'm a, if I'm a Dolphin fan or a Dolphin player. Uh, Joe, I'm, I'm saying, you know, we didn't show up in the first half. I, I don't care what the final score was. That They weren't coming back in that game. It was 24-3. to 3. And, uh, and like Joe said, uh, they couldn't stop Garoppolo at all in the first half. Uh, and they had a chance to make a statement in, in that game because they never win in New England. And now they're playing without Brady. Uh, and, and they weren't competitive. So, Jim, it, it, you know. You don't even want to think about what's going on in South Florida should the Dolphins lose this game and, and go to 0-3. I mean, these are the Cleveland Browns, um, you, you know, coming to town. Um, mm-hmm. I fully expect the Dolphins to win, surely. They're playing the Browns. Uh, but Miami's got issues. 
mm-hmm. they got a new coach in Adam Gase, but those questions remain about Tannehill. Joe, the guy looked lights out when he's losing 24-3. to New England's not playing the same defense. You know that. I know that. Um, you know, they're letting them get eight yards at a clip and trying to work the clock. So, you know, I'm not going to be uh, overwhelmed by Tannehill's second half uh, in, in Foxborough. Uh, the fact remains that when the game started, uh, they couldn't move the ball uh, against New England. And those questions keep hanging around Tannehill's neck. Uh, and one win against Cleveland, Joe, is, is uh, they're not going to make him go away. No, no. Uh, this is a game that, well, it, it's not overstating it to say it is you have to win the game if you're the Dolphins. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, no, no whatever. You have to win the football game. And um, I think looking – I like Hugh Jackson. I, I, I really think maybe Cleveland has their guy. But that – what are they on their twelfth quarterback now, or something? Uh, oh you know, he says he, not since he's gotten there. But yeah, it seems like that. Uh, uh, RG, know. I think RG three got hurt during the team picture. I think he did, <laughs> and uh, McCown can't stay healthy, and and he you got to wonder if Mc, if McCown, uh, you know, remember when he was uh, with the Bucks, Ira, that he talked about? Well, yeah, I'm I'm. 30 whatever years old but i haven't really played that much so my body's in pretty good shape right for somebody whose body's in pretty good shape he seems to get hurt a lot you know joe you know you know what the browns remind me of and there's other teams too um but you know jim when when you take a quarterback in the first Mm -hmm. round tim couch and zell and you and you miss on it you miss badly Mm -hmm. um that sets you back for like three years. I mean, it's hard. Sure. The Raiders with Jamarcus Russell. Uh, it, it's hard. the Bucks with Freeman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to overcome that. Uh, it really sets you back as a franchise. And until Cleveland gets that right, uh, Jim, they're going to be irrelevant. Well, uh, I know that Joe's not too unhappy about that, but yeah, they're Browns fans. <laughs> Very unhappy about that. You know, speaking, uh, speaking of let's the... in the in that conference and trying to stay in the state here, we got the Ravens and the Jaguars. Now the good news, guys, is that the Ravens offense and Joe Flacco, he just doesn't seem to be on page with any of his receivers, with the exception of Mike Wallace and occasionally Dennis Pitta. Uh the running game's a bit anemic. The problem for the Jaguars is this. And that is the defense is playing phenomenal with guys like Elvis Duverville and uh, Terrell Suggs back playing. Both guys seem to be in good stead. Uh, It's not as deep a defense as it has been in the past, but it's a good defense. And the last thing the Jaguars need is a good defense the way Blake Bortles has been playing lately. I'll tell you what, I I love Gus Bradley. Joe, I love Gus Bradley. You, you, we had him in Tampa on Gruden's staff, nicest guy in the world. But, gentlemen, he's lost 38 of 50 games, 38 of 50. Um, it's amazing that he survived this far. Um, and I dare say, I believe um, they're going to London next week, guys, right. to play the Colts. Mm-hmm. So, Jim, if they lose to the Ravens and mm-hmm. the Colts, They'll be flying across the Atlantic, guys, 
at 0-4 going into a bye week. And, and my opinion is we, we, we will have seen the last of Gus Bradley at that time. Well, that's when, uh, that's when Joe Philbin got fired last year by the Dolphins, remember? Absolutely, they went over Joseph. to London and, and got torched and uh, had a bye week coming up. And they said, nope, we're moving on. So, Ira, you think their new head coach will be Sir Alec Ferguson? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, By the way, Man U's not doing particularly well, uh, Jimmy. No, that's true. But, see, at least Sir Alec isn't there anymore. So, see, (laughs) see, he's out of a job. They're going to London. I mean, what the heck? uh, He certainly couldn't do any worse. Well, the Rams and the Buccaneers. Joe, Joe, Bortles has got to get it together. He's He's not looking good. Not looking good. That was a major step back last week for them at San Diego. I uh, I thought they would go out and play well. Uh, they did not. And I don't think we're going to confuse San Diego with being a, a powerhouse, especially uh, their injury situations. And I, uh, I, I think your assessment of, of Gus Bradley is correct. He's they, the Jaguars have a good team owner, uh, there was a lot of uh, owners would have made the, uh, a coaching change a long time ago. This guy seems That's to be right. patient uh, right. with, with what they're trying to build there. But this was a year that they thought, you know what, we're ready to step forward and, and uh, be a lot more competitive. And it's not looking that way so far. Well, we got the Rams and the Buccaneers coming up. Home opener for the Bucks. They're one and one. And, uh, Jeff Fisher brings uh, the Los Angeles Rams into town. It's been a long time since that's uh, been said. So... You know, Joe, Joe, this matchup reminds us once again, we can never forget this, uh, of how this, this is a once-a-week league. Uh, and that, by that I mean, Joe, the Bucks open up in Atlanta with a road victory. Everybody's feeling great. And now, because they're one-and-one, with games against Denver and Carolina on the horizon, that this has the feel of a must-win to avoid a one-and-four start. Um, well, it is a must-win. The, must There's no question know, about the, it. Before the schedule softens. And, um, Joe, I, I maintain that the Bucks are a better team. I thought they were better than Atlanta. I think they got better talent than the Rams. Uh, a huge edge at quarterback, theoretically, on paper. Um, Joe, you, you can't lose this game. You can't. No, you you absolutely can't. And uh, well, but Doug Martin's out, so now your your running game is crippled. Uh, you, uh, as as you alluded earlier, and I agree with you. Uh, problems uh, at receiver. You you know you got Mike Evans, but beyond that, you don't have a lot of playmakers. Um, offense is Dirk Cutter's forte. Uh, looked pretty good the first week, looked awful last week. And it wasn't that they lost at Arizona. I don't think a lot of people really thought they would win that game, but it was the way they lost. They just weren't competitive. And uh, from the opening whistle till the end, uh, just basically blown out of the stadium. So, you know, a better, uh, a team with a better image, if you will, we would look at that and say, well, that's just, just a bad week forget about it and move on. But uh, it did send the fire alarms sounding here in in Tampa uh, because we've seen it before. And so 
absolutely right. When you when you look at what that schedule's coming up with the Carolina and uh, you know you've got to win this football game. You have to win. You have to win. Period. Well, the Rams secondary look doesn't look that that ominous. Is that going to help uh, Jameis and the gang? I mean, if if the Rams aren't as difficult as um, as either Atlanta or the Cardinals in their secondary, will that uh, will that help? I know Ira, you said earlier that part of the problem against the against the Lions, I'm not against the Lions, against the Cardinals last week was uh, the problem that Jameis had in. Uh, in throwing his ball a little over, as opposed to um, as opposed to throwing it, you know, uh, uh, he, his ball tended to go high when he when he overthrew. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, uh, uh, Jim, um, any deficiencies in the Rams secondary, and I agree, it's mediocre, um, but that 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 can easily be masked by uh, a pass rush, and the Rams have a very good one, Joe. Um, they have a, they have an offensive end named Robert Quinn. He's kind of taken two years off from injuries, but he had 19 sacks in 2013. Um, And now they have a defensive tackle in Aaron Donald who's drawing comparisons to Warren Sapp. Uh, He might be better than Joe McCoy, Joe, and Geno Atkins. He might be the best in the game at his position. Uh, He's a monster. He's a monster. And um, uh, the Bucs, Joe, uh, the Bucs have to avoid these third and eight situations uh, against this particular Rams team. Well, let's let's give the Rams their due in, in one sense. They held Seattle to three points last week. Uh, they only scored nine. Must have been a thriller of a football game. But uh, held Seattle to three points. And um, so I look at the Rams' offense, and I think they, they will have trouble scoring on the Bucks. Um so I think if, if, if Jameis Winston can figure out a way to put 17 points on the board, if, if they can do that, I think the Bucks will win the football game. So the Bucks, anything over 17 gets them win? I think so. Well, like Joe said, uh, uh, Jim, don't give the Rams short fields with, with turnovers. Don't do that. I don't think the Rams are good enough to march 80 yards. Um, no. Uh, having said that, the Buck defense hasn't played great this season, but the Rams have a pop gun offense. Uh, they've got Gurley uh, and, and not a lot of weapons uh, beside that. Tavon Austin is their best receiver. He, he's never going to be confused with Larry Fitzgerald, Joe, and Julio Jones, no, who, who the Bucks just faced in the first two weeks. So, Jim, don't don't give them, don't make it easy for the Rams offense. Don't mm-hmm. don't turn it over. Don't give them a defensive score. Don't give them uh, the ball at the buck 40. Uh, make Case Keenum earn it. Um, and, and I think that's the Bucks formula for, for victory. Well, I think that um, it'd be a lot of fun for Buck Nation if they walked out of Ray J on uh, late uh, Sunday afternoon with, uh, you know, going, coming home two to one. That wouldn't be a bad situation at all. Let's see. Uh, uh, Jim, let's see if they can. Let's see if they can put some highlights on that fancy new uh, video board of theirs. Yeah, exactly. They need some highlights. There you go. No, no sense in not using it, right? <laughs> right. So you know, looking at the schedule, Joe, I got to tell you, I think the possibly the game of the day 
is the Broncos and the Bengals. Well, it's a good one. And um, it's uh, one the Bengals, their home opener. They open the, the first two weeks on the road. Uh, they've got to win. They just, they have to win. But here's the problem. Again, uh, they're very good tight end. Tyler Eifert is still out. They're still trying to cope uh, in the receiving core with the loss of, of Marvin Jones and Muhammad Sanu from last year, who were great compliments to A.J. Green. And um, running game hasn't been what it needs to be. Um, so been a very ordinary offense the first couple of weeks. Uh, wasn't surprised that they lost at Pittsburgh. Had a chance maybe to uh, to get the game into overtime at the end. Controversial call. Uh, on a fumble that really didn't look uh, didn't look like a fumble to me. It looked like uh, Tyler Boyd's knee was down and uh, and the play should have been dead. But be that as it may, um, if the Bengals can win this game, um, that sets them up pretty well. And it's a bigger, much bigger game for the Bengals, I think, than it is uh, for the Broncos. You know, Jim, I look at the Broncos. Let's see if Joe agrees. Um, you know, heck of a defense and just enough offense. And I'll tell you another team that could fall into that category uh, that is absolutely getting ravaged by injuries, I think more than any team in this league so far, and that's the Vikings, um, who play mm-hmm. Carolina this week. Uh, Minnesota has lost its quarterback. They've lost a running back that was MVP of the league. Uh, and now they've lost their left tackle, uh, Matt Khalil. Uh, he's gone. Uh, but the Vikings do just enough on offense. And, and the, you know, to me, the Vikings and, and the Broncos, I think the Broncos are better. Um, and, Joe, uh, I have a word of advice uh, for Mr. Marvin Lewis on Sunday. Um, please find a couple of people that can keep an eye on Von Miller. Um, yeah. Because, uh, Jim, that, that's how the Broncos win. Yeah. Uh, Von Miller makes a play, mm-hmm. a sack, a sack strip, turns the game around, creates all kinds of momentum, and that's you know, and they got a very good secondary. Joe, um, Akeem Talib's a knucklehead, Jim. Uh, we've had him here in Tampa, but the guy I think has returned nine picks for touchdowns already yep. in his career. Um, he's got a knack for that. Uh, Chris Harris, very good corner. Um, they got a heck of a secondary, Joe, and, and it's going to be a great battle with A.J. Green uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game. Um, and the Bengals, are going to, they're going to struggle to score points against this team. But uh, there is a little air of desperation uh, for them uh, coming home. You need, to, you need to make a statement in your, in your game. And, and plus, this is – you know, it's not really too early to think about this. It's a possible uh, – jostling for a playoff position down the road. Joe, one thing the Bengals got to do better, I think, is, is uh, they're not running the ball particularly well, Joe. No, they're not. No, they're not, not at all. And, and that's a problem um, because you've got to take some, some heat uh, off Andy Dalton uh, as those receivers work their way into, uh, uh, into form. And you've got to be able to run the ball, and they have not been able to do that. And I'm not convinced they can do it this week either. Hey, by the way, guys, the last time the Los Angeles Rams came to Tampa was in 
November, uh, I'm sorry, December of 1994, and the Buccaneers won that game 20 to 14. So that's the last time a Los Angeles Rams team wow. showed wow. up, and it was at the Sombrero, and the Bucks won that game 24 to 14. And Henderson okay. was probably there, Jim. I'm sure, sure I was. Hang on, yeah. I apologize, um, guys. My uh, we had a little technical difficulty there. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, long story short, I thought that was—I uh, don't know—the last time I remember the Rams being there was nine to nothing, and it was a championship game. So uh, uh, I was yeah. there for that yeah. one too. Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, that, that was the game that uh, Youngblood played on a broken leg. That's right. And uh, Joe, with all due respect to Doug Williams, he—he he was bad that day, really bad. Well, he was hurt that day, too. He was hurt. Yeah, yeah. McKay actually gave me one of my favorite all-time quotes. After the game, we were getting ready to set up for his show, and he looks over, and I said, I I said, well, tough time, because we couldn't score against tall grass. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the Rams had a good team, Joe. They gave Pittsburgh a a pretty good battle in in the Super Bowl. They really did. Well, and and what a lot of people don't remember is that – Leroy Selman would not have been able to play in that Super Bowl if the Bucks had made it against the Steel Curtain, and it, so he he had gotten hurt in that game. So anyway, I don't, just the thought of losing to Vince Ferragamo drove me nuts. Anyway, uh, <laughs> guys, uh, where can we find you on social media, Ira? Uh, you can always find me on Twitter, James uh, at i Kaufman seventy six, and um, Look forward to our next podcast because, uh, Jim, the Bucks are either going to be uh, uh, two and one uh, and, and erasing uh, the debacle at Arizona, or they're going to be one and two and uh, testing the patience uh, of their fans. Joseph, how about yourself? You can find me on Twitter at the initial J Henderson Tampa. You find me at nt. FLA underscore politics, NTFLA underscore politics. I'm Jim Williams, the host of the Sunshine Boys with Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. You're listening to us on sportstalkflorida.com and blog talk radio. Until next time, we hope that you have a wonderful weekend and enjoy both the college and the pro games. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.